No, 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 no. T I G E R S. Fight, 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 fight. Mike, it's not even a top a thousand moment all time. Okay, Tommy, shut the hell up, man. Mike! Oh, of course, he... I'm gonna go with the right answer. It's Ryan Eads of the Baltimore Orioles. He only he's only wore the number eighty for uh, eight games. He's only one of two players. You know what? No, no, I'm not gonna take this. Welcome back to Goat Chat. We are back after a very long hiatus. We're hopeful to make this a little more of a frequent thing this summer. Obviously, we don't have Tommy with us again. He's got a super busy summer again. He's going to be back in Cape Cod um, covering baseball like he did last summer. We'll hope to get him on here sometime soon. But we are back, and we're going to be starting to plug out sports content again. We're going to jump right into it. This is episode 121 of our Goat Chat tenure. And if you guys are new here, we start these episodes now with Goat of the State. If you've been here before, obviously you know that this is our rundown. So we're going to go with go to the state, and today is going to be Ohio. We're going go of Ohio. Mike, who's the goat of Ohio? Listen, in honor of Tommy being gone, I got to go baseball, and I'm going with Joey Votto, former MVP, former Gold Glove winner, six-time All-Star. He's been – he's one of the best Cincinnati Reds of all time. And he's really been a premier first baseman for the past decade. He's been absolutely awesome. Great eye at the plate, has some pop, great in the field. There's there's no one else better in Ohio than Joey Votto. I, I remember he had a streak last year. I think it was like 13 straight games where he hit a home run during the middle of the summer. Yeah. And Matt and Matt and I saw him out there. We were in Los Angeles. We saw him out there playing against the Dodgers. And this guy up here is not too fond of Joey Votto, Matt. He's, Matt, who's your go to Ohio? Joey Votto is so bad right now. Like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, is he on your fancy baseball team or something? <laughs> no, he's, he's not. We were just chirping him. Um, but go to Ohio, it's, it's, it's not like uh, – I, I know you guys aren't going to go with him, obviously, already. But I'm going to go with Joe Burrow, and that's for one reason, one reason only – He's the only guy out of anyone in Ohio other than the Cleveland Cavaliers team that has gone to the final stage of whatever sport they're in. Joe Burrow, in his second year, after an ACL injury, during, I guess, COVID restrictions in the offseason, took a poverty franchise who last time they won a playoff game was 1986. He went in and he won, what was it? two playoff three playoff games yeah three playoff games made it to the super bowl he's just for the most important position on a football team he really just elevated a franchise that we never thought would make it to the super bowl and even last year he had some tremendous games in winning the uh afc yeah afc north i gotta go with joe i gotta rock with joe i could i feel like i could stick behind it too so i gotta go with uh burrow He's going to be a great uh, talent in the league for years. I just, after, after a year of really good production, you know, obviously his rookie year, he went down with the torn ACL. Um, no, it, we, I actually saw he was uh, practicing without the knee brace and OTAs the other day for the first time in a really long time, which is encouraging to see from a young guy. Um, I did, just not enough confidence for me after a year of really good production to, to put him up there. for Super Bowl production. Super Bowl production. That's fine. But but they did lose, and 
And, you know, the, the streaks in the NFL of the Super Bowl losing team, normally they don't have that great year afterwards. Obviously, we're, we're, I'm, looking into, I'm looking into the future, but just yeah, going off of some stats here. Okay, that makes sense. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the beast off the edge from the other NFL team. I'm going to go with Miles Garrett, um, you know, drafted in 2017. He's a three-time Pro Bowler, two All-Pros under his belt. He already has 58 and a half sacks in his career. You know, I mean, this is a guy that gets double teamed every single time he's on the field. And, and now he's a part of a Cleveland Browns team who is, is ready to make that potential leap, you know, to win the AFC North over the Bengals and to potentially get to that Super Bowl. Obviously, all this contingent on Deshaun Watson – um and his suspension speculations and if he is to be able to start the season and be there um this cleveland team is good and i think miles garrett is a huge part of it you know obviously baker mayfield came in the league in 2018 and then they were in the playoffs in 2019 you know baker's second year and a lot of that was due to this this cleveland browns defense led by miles garrett so i'm gonna go with miles garrett here go to ohio you know what i i they're both very talented players especially I'm a huge fan of Miles Garrett, but they they haven't even been in the league for five years. Joe Burrow, he's played a year and a half. Miles he's Garrett, done enough, Mike. He's he made has not done enough. Joey Votto has played 16 years in and the Reds have done nothing. Four seasons with an OPS of over a thousand. He has an MVP, a Gold Glove. Joe Burrow has a Comeback Player of the Year, and that's it. That's it. That's uh, all he, he has. Listen, if I want a great player. I want a great player who's going to make it to the final stage, and that's kind of what he did. He 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 took a team with a terrible offensive line, a team that actually drafted first the year prior and drafted him, completed probably the best comeback we've seen since Peyton Manning's first year to second year, and and he, the best Mike, the best what transition. What about Patrick Mahomes against the Houston Texans? No, not the best comeback in a game. The best comeback from season. So, like, Payne Manning's first season to his second season. The best comeback in that, taking a really bad franchise and making them really good. He stepped to the plate right away. And believe me, Ohio, it's not like there's anyone that tremendous. Like, like there's no one that tremendous for me to not go with him and not have a case for him. I think Joey Votto and Miles Garrett both easily have a case against Joe. I, I just... I have to go with him because of how how his stature and how he carries himself and how he goes to the field and is that big, that important, that great to take a team like the Bengals to the Super Bowl without an offensive line in his second year after an ACL injury. It's been one year, though. One okay. single year. And over 16 and years of play, Joey Votto has over 330 home runs. He has 146 OPS plus for his Whole career, I know he's not playing well this year, but last year in his age 37 season, he had a 136 OPS plus. He's playing out of his mind throughout his whole career. And baseball is a totally different sport compared to football where you have a lot less control with what's going on. Obviously, Joe Burrow, fantastic accomplishment, leading the Cincinnati Bengals as a team to the Super Bowl. But in totality, you can't take one single year of production from Joe Burrow. And Miles Garrett has been great so far, but just their resume is not long enough. Well, Joey Votto, you got stacks on stacks on stacks of, accom- of accomplishments and statistics. And you know, my, 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 my final 
here, and I'll, I'm, I'm going to back up Mike here for a second on Joey Votto, is when we went through our go to the number segment for our first 99 episodes, um, you know, we talked about a lot of the off the field accomplishments and what people did off of the field. Joey Votto is one of the best people pleasers on, on an MLB field. You know, we always see him talking with fans. He's always giving back, you know, he's giving gloves, he's giving bats, he's, he's interacting with fans at the ball field and he's giving them that experience that they want. So, you know, well, on the field right now, he might be hitting sub 200. He has a great career behind him. He's a very quality first baseman for the Cincinnati Reds for years. Uh, between Joe Burrow and Joey Votto here, I, I'd have to lean with Votto. Uh, I mean, Burrow's not swinging helmets on Mason Rudolph, though. So. Oh, here we go with that. All right. You know, you know, I had to mention this. It this was a classic start to our return of Go Chat. Obviously, a little bit of bickering. We're going to get into it. We have so much to cover. We've been gone for so long. We're going to try to just touch a little bit, um, and we'll be right back with Go Chat. Welcome back to Go Chat. We are back. Uh, you know, we haven't touched on the NBA playoffs since we haven't done a sh- uh, episode in, I don't know, two months or so. So might as well we touch on it now with the conference finals that are going on. We have two great matchups. The Miami Heat are going up against the Boston Celtics. The Heat lead 1-0. That game is actually today while we're recording. So might be 1-1, might be 2-0. We don't know. The Warriors-Mavs, that game just, uh, game one finished last night for us and, well, the Warriors actually just handed it down Luca's throats and the Mavericks. So they take a one nothing lead. Guys, I want to go through these two matchups and kind of uh, how we think they're going to go. And we're going to start with the Celtics and the Heat because let's think. We have a good history with Celtics and Heat. Two years ago, I mean, there there was a, there was was it was arguing and arguing. And, uh, you know, we got a passionate Celtics fan, uh, a passionate Heat fan down here. So... I want to hear what you guys have to think about this series. Mike, I'm going to start with you on this. You're going Celtics. Yeah, you know, I'm going to go with the Celtics in, the, in this series. I think they're going to win in six or seven games. It's going to be a tightly contested matchup, but I just think at the end of the day, the Celtics match up well against the Heat, and I just think they have more individually talented offensive scorers. In terms of defense, they have had the best defense in the league, especially ramped it up in, in the second half. I know Jimmy Butler just dropped 40 on them, but very uncharacteristic for the Celtics to give up 118 in a game and uh, especially 40 to an individual player. They didn't do it, give up 40 to KD. They gave up 40 Kyrie once. Obviously Giannis got 40, but he's a whole different beast than Jimmy Butler. Um, I, I think at the end of the day, their defense and their just the way that they're able to hunt down matchups is going to propel them over the top of the heat. And I think they're going to advance to the conference finals. And I understand how people can see game one to be worrying, but personally, I'm really not worried too much because it was really just that third quarter where the Celtics got blown out by 25. They won every other single quarter by at least three points. So I'm sticking with the Celtics in this one. Yeah, I mean, the Celtics, if they win this, they're going to be going back to the finals since I'm Mike, you maybe can answer this. I have no idea when the last time it had to be like 2008, 2009. They've been close a lot yeah, of times. It was, I think it was 09, the last time they played Kobe in the finals. All right, Connor, we got to hear what you think about this series. 
Um, well, I am going to go with the Heat. I think the Heat are probably going to win in seven. Um, but 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 one thing I will say is I think whoever wins this and goes on to the finals is going to be the NBA champion. I don't I don't think the team in the West are going to be able to beat either of these teams. Um, and Matt, I know you have a huge crush on Luka Doncic and and Jordan Poole in in Golden State. I know you love their splash trio there, but I just think these two teams are the best teams remaining in the playoffs. And I also think that. Jimmy Butler is the best player in this postseason that is still here. He's just played so consistently well, not overall in terms of his career or anything, but in terms of what's happened this postseason, he's the best player that's been in this postseason. And, and, you know, I look at this heat team, you know, Tyler hero hasn't been playing well in the postseason. Kyle Lowry has been hurt for most, most of the postseason and Jimmy Butler stepped up. You know, I remember a couple of years ago when they were in the bubble in the finals against the Lakers it was a, that game five performance that he had against the Lakers where he put up, I think it was close to 50 points and single-handedly beat that team. Don't count me on, don't count on how many points he had. I don't remember off the top of my head. I remember he had a absolutely fantastic performance and we're just seeing that again and again. I mean, he, he is a star on the court and you know, this is a, this Miami Heat team who a lot of people thought, you know, they lacked star talent. You know, they have Bam Adebayo, who's a really good center. You know, Jimmy Butler, he's a really good shooting guard. And Kyle Rowry is a really good facilitator, and he can score the ball. And they've got a really good six man in Tyler Hero. But we're seeing that these players can be stars, and they can be very, very good on the court. No discredit to Boston, though. Boston is an absolutely incredible team. And like I said, this is going to go down two to seven games. And as I, I, I said to Mike off the air, I have no idea how this series is going to, you know, I'm talking as a heat fan, obviously I'm optimistic that they're going to make the finals, you know, as the one seed, but this is the one versus the two in the East. You know, both of these teams are absolutely tremendous. They've been playing out of their minds all year. And I, I truly believe that whatever team wins this series is going to be NBA champions in, in a few weeks. Uh, Mike, do you have any response or do you want me to go? You, you can go. I'll, I'll respond after. All right, well, for the series, I actually have the Celtics in six. Uh, game one, the Heat came out fantastic. They played they played tremendous, and Jimmy Butler really – he played great. Jimmy Butler – Jimmy Butler's great. He's not – he's definitely not the best player left in the NBA playoffs, but he played great. Um, the reason why I have the Celtics is because game one, we saw it without Marcus Smart or Al Horford. Those are two – like, those are two key players, especially defensively. Uh, we saw with this Boston Celtics team, they're they're definitely the best team defensively left, and you saw what they've been able to do with their opponents. KD looked like uh, Jimmy Fredette out there, like he he looked so bad that <laughs> don't put any hate on Jimmy Fredette, dude. I love Jimmy Fredette. He was the first. Beast. He was the first person that came out of that. Don't put hate life. on Jimmy. All right, all right, all right. Uh, Kevin Durant looked like uh, Russell Westbrook. How about that? Kevin Durant looked like Russell Westbrook this year against the Celtics series. That's what the Celtics were able to do. You know, we saw Jason Tatum one-on-one with him. Marcus Smart was still, uh, you know, being a pest around the ball. And then they go to play Giannis, who, I mean, without Chris Middleton, of course, the Bucks were on a, a at a disadvantage, but still Giannis is the best player in the world. And I, I understand that now. But they they even were pestering Giannis consistently, and um, that was really the crumble of the Milwaukee Bucks. So I think when the Celtics bring back Marcus Smart, which I'm hoping they do tonight, 
Uh, Al Horford's coming back. They're going to get those defensive pieces in. They're just going to start pestering Jimmy because if Jimmy is uh, locked down, the Heat are not winning the series. Jimmy Butler is like the. I'm not going to discredit Bam Adebayo or anyone else on their team, but without Jimmy, they're they're nothing. So I think they if they lock down Jimmy, which I expect them to, that's why I have them in six. Regardless, I think this can can go to seven because of the star power and the credibility of uh, Eric Spolstra. Um, but I think defensively, Boston's just going to grab grab the heat and, I don't know, squish them. I, I don't know what I was going with that Squish analogy. them? I don't know what I'm going with that analogy. I was like, all right, they're going to grab are they, them. Are they a stress toy? <laughs> I guess so. I mean, I, their, their, their logo looks like a stress toy. I don't know. I hate this narrative. That, that Marcus Smart and Al Horford coming back is going to be so big for this Boston Celtics. And I texted you guys this. But the Heat have been without their top facilitator for most of these playoffs, Kyle Lowry. You know, he's averaging 33 minutes a game and seven and a half rebounds. You know, without him being out there on the floor, it's a major loss. You know, Not I mean, really. as I, it, it is, though. Because okay. as I mentioned, Tyler is as big as Marcus Smart, though. He has not played a good postseason. He has not played well. And they don't have anyone to really be that number one there when Kyle Lowry isn't on the floor. Who, who are they trusting? They're just, they're, they, they go small with P.J. Tucker. And I don't even know who they run the, run the point with. I don't know who, they, who they've been putting Gabe out. Vincent. Yeah, Gabe Vincent? Gabe Vincent. I mean, it has to be Kyle Lowry. I mean, th- that's a huge narrative as well. I mean, we're talking so much about how Marcus Smart and Al Horford aren't on the court. And I know they're they're great defensive um, players. But Kyle Lowry, who averages seven and a half assists and 13 points through 34 minutes, I mean, that's a big loss for this Heat team. And he's not playing again in game two. But, but that's just as important as Horford and no. Smart not on the court. No, not really. Mike, you yeah. want to answer that? Yeah, no, I disagree. I'm sorry if I'm distracted. There's like a massive bug in my room right now. I'm kind of... <laughs> tweaking out so i'm just keeping an eye on it keeping it in check but no i i don't i don't think kyle lowry is as important as marcus smart is for the celtics he's the defensive player of the year while kyle lowry yes he is an important piece to the miami heat but there's no doubt he's taken a step down since his tenure in toronto he's only he's only averaging 13 points seven rebounds like you said a game and gabe vincent was able to rec- replicate that to the fullest. i mean he he scored 17 points, had, had two rebounds and three assists as well. He was pretty solid last game. Do I expect him to continue to play like that? No. Do I expect Max Struess and Gabe Vincent to shoot 40% from three? No. Do I expect Jimmy Butler to drop 40 points on only 19 field goals and go seven for 18 from the line? No. And we saw last series against the Bucks, the Celtics defense continue to get better and better and better throughout the whole series. By the end of the series, they were clamping down Giannis to the fullest extent. Mike, and I think that's exactly out. what's going to happen. The Celtics are just going to keep on getting better and better and better defensively, and they're going to be able to get enough done offensively to put them over top. I, I, I personally am taking the Celtics in six as well. I'm not going to be surprised if it goes seven, but – I, 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 I think that's that's ridiculous to compare the loss of Kyle Lowry in which they've dealt with pretty much all season because he's missed like a, a lot of time to Al Horford and Marcus Smart. And one more thing before uh, 
you guys go back to before you guys say anything. They did play in the Eastern Conference Finals in 2020. You mentioned Bam. Bam was a killer against the Celtics in that series. You know who the Celtics didn't have in that series? Al Horford. You know who else they didn't have? Robert Williams, who was riding the bench. Grant Williams, who was also riding the bench. They had no one to guard Bam. Now they have three different guys who are big, bodied, strong, can rebound, can defend all one, one through five. <laughs> All right, we're going to cut it there, Mike. You got your point, Ruben. Figure out your bug. Matt, let's switch it over to the Western Conference here while he takes care of this. Dallas, uh, I mean, Dallas this Mavs, be... Golden State Warriors. Um, This could honestly, like, we could throw this clip to, like, America's Funniest Videos and put some music over it. But um, I think you're, the Warriors... You're a, huge, you're a huge Luka guy. You know, obviously... Luca, it seemed like he had some bad blood there with Phoenix and Devin Booker. Um, you know, talking a little bit, he was able to knock off that one seed there in the West. You know, they lost pretty bad game one against the Warriors. Do you think they have a shot in this series? I wouldn't put it against them, but I don't think they're going to win. Uh, the Golden State Warriors, I to me, are the most uh, – I, I wouldn't say complete team, but I think they have every piece that I want from a championship-winning team. Um, in regards to Luca. The, it, the the way the Mavs need to win is Luka needs to put up like 40 points a game, 35 points a game, because I don't trust uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, I, I'll trust <laughs> I'll trust um, Jalen Brunson, but I won't trust Spencer Dinwiddie or uh, Finney Smith um, outside of Luka. So with the Warriors, they, they clamped Luka up pretty well. Andrew Wiggins had a great game. Draymond Green is, is still there, and he's still one of the best players. And Steve Kerr hasn't lost a Western um, a series in the Western Conference, like, just at all. So I think with Steve Kerr's coaching, Steph Curry's shooting, Clay Thompson's finally playing well. Pools took a little drop down since the Nuggets series. I, I like everything that they got, and I think that they're going to head into the NBA Finals, and I think they're going to win it. To be honest, Mike, the Warriors. Yeah. Mike, you get you, you get the bug. I think I got it, dude. I I hit it on the light, but like it's like the body didn't splatter there. I think it fell off. But I don't know where it fell off. So like it's still in like the back of my head right now. Um, All right. But anyway, well, we're focusing just, on the Western Conference Finals. Now. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Just to bounce off what Matt was saying, I don't know. I feel like the Warriors have some holes on their roster. I think they have a hole at center. They don't really have any good guards that, you know, are really good defenders. Andrew Wiggins has been really good on the, on the defensive end, but we know that Steph can't really defend. Poole definitely can't. Clay has taken a step back because of his uh, lingering in, I mean, not lingering injuries, but he's just lost some athleticism since he's been injured and he's not nearly the same defender, defender he once was. And if they match up with the Boston Celtics in the finals, the Warriors love to switch. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, they both are going to be attacking Jordan Poole and Steph Curry all series long. And whatever big that Golden State throws out, Kevin, Kevin, probably Lee, gonna be, it would probably be a barbecue chicken. All right. If as a Celtics fan, I'm much more worried about the Mavs because they're more solid defensively. Everyone's calling, you know, Luka's not a great defender, but he's still strong. He can move his feet a bit. 
and the, their system in Dallas, I, I like a little better defensively than Golden State. But I think it's going to be a good series between Golden State and Dallas. Eventually, I think Golden State will come out victorious. I think Steve Crow will get a game plan done. But by no means am I counting out Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, I definitely won't count out them, count Dallas out, just because I do like Luka a lot, obviously. You know, I think our, our man Matt up here has the biggest man crush on Luka I've ever seen. I'd marry him. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I, I just like the Golden State Warriors team so much. You know, Steph Curry is Steph Curry. Clay Thompson is back this year. And Jordan Poole, I mean, they've got that last year. You know, as Matt mentioned, Jordan Poole hasn't been as explosive as he was in that in that Denver series, but he's still a really viable option. And Andrew Wiggins is playing good basketball. He, he was he was in the All-Star game this year, right? He was an All-Star this year? Yeah, he was a starter somehow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's playing good basketball. So, I mean, this is a good team. Now, Mike, you mentioned the hole at center. They definitely do have a little bit of a gap there. But other than that, I mean, this is a very good team, and it's Steve Kerr is the coach. I'm not going to put anything against um, Steve Kerr, you know, when it comes to the postseason and the Western Conference Finals. So I definitely think Golden State's going to be the ones to come out of it. And, you know, I, I, I said that the team that comes out of the Eastern Conference, I think, will win the finals. But, you know, I think the Golden State Warriors will give either Miami or Boston a really good matchup. The thing I love about the Warriors – and, Mike, you, you put um, – you brought up good – good arguments the thing i love about the warriors is their potential and what we've seen them be able to play running that death lineup i know it hasn't really worked since the nuggets series i just think with their potential i i'm i'm taking the highest potential that i think they could play into that nba finals game uh you know i i think defenders off the bench like jonathan kuminga could come play in the game um i already talked about wiggins and green and Kevin Looney actually played a great game last night. I don't know if anyone, any of you guys caught it, but he, he played really well for uh, 28 minutes. So it was Steve Kerr paired up with the winning mentality, I guess so. I think that they, they have the highest ceiling, in my opinion. A more stable team is a Celtics Heat, but with their highest ceiling, that's kind of where I'm putting them at for the finals. Listen, the Celtics, I love what the Celtics have been able to do this year too. So I wouldn't be shocked if the Celtics move on and win against the Warriors. But the Warriors are just, I, I feel like the they have the highest ceiling out of these last four teams. Is that just because of the star power and like the potential to get hot from Poole, Thompson, and Curry? Yes, that's that's exactly like the if they if all three of them get hot at once, I think they're unbeatable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my, my one contention of argument, uh, you know, against that is just that I feel like the Celtics have the best of both worlds. We're talking about Miami, you know, being super stable, super, super solid defensively, but they really don't have that elite scoring ability. They're, they're going to score 80 points once or twice in this series against the Celtics. And everyone who picked the Miami here would be like, what the heck just happened? Even though they just have nights like that because they don't have anyone to go to after Jimmy Butler. And then with the Warriors, yeah, you know, they have the potential to, you know, go off. But they also have the potential to get blown out by 60 because of some deficiencies in their roster. And it really doesn't happen often in which Steph, Clay, and Poole all are hot at the same time. Steph has been playing great, but he's having 
his worst season since 2014. Clay is not the Clay Thompson we once knew. Really, the difference here is that Jordan Poole has stepped up, but the Warriors don't have a deep team. You mentioned Kaminga as one of the defenders. He only played five minutes last game, and that was just because of, you know, they were blowing the Mavericks out. They didn't need him in the game. Okay, you know, fair point. I mean, I guess maybe you could throw him on Luka or something like that, but you probably don't want a rookie on Luka Doncic no. anyways. But I think when you look at Boston, they have the stability on the defensive end. Ime Udoka has like just emerged as one of the best coaches in the NBA this season, in my opinion. I loved what he's done with this roster, the culture he's instilled on, on the defensive end. And now on the offensive end, you have two stars in Tatum and Brown who are capable of going off for 30, 40 points on any given game. And on top of that, they have the three-point shooting. We saw with Grant Williams in game seven against the Bucks. So I think when you look at, you know, their roster in totality, they're deep, they can play defense, and they can shoot. And, and that's why I'm going to take the Celtics to win the championship. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue. That's a respectable, it's a respectable debate, respectable points too. Ever since that, they t- I know he's been talking about this for a while. Ever since they turned it around, it's something different about the Boston Celtics. Yeah. And they got a um, great addition of Derek White. Unfortunately, yeah, he, he, he's actually going to be out tonight uh, for the birth of his child. He's flying back to Boston. So he's going to be out. So the Celtics really need Marcus Smart tonight, or else we're going to be seeing a lot of Payne Pritchard and Aaron Neesmith. Two great series. Any Any <laughs> final thoughts? I think that's gonna that's gonna wrap up NBA talk. Definitely tune in. Two great two great matchups. Uh, obviously, two teams going to the NBA Finals, looking for a championship. We are a little over a month um, into MLB baseball season. When we get back, we're gonna break down some of the first month's winners and losers right after this. We are back with Go Chat. We got some baseball to talk today, and unfortunately, time is not around. But winners, losers, who's doing well. Who's not? Who's meeting expectations? Who's exceeding expectations? Who could be doing that uh, for the rest of the season? But a lot of stuff to cover. It's been a fun first month, month and a half of baseball. So, guys, give me one of your winners this season and give me one of your losers. Connor, I'll toss it to you first. I'm obviously going to go with the New York Yankees um, as the winner. You know, they're, they've currently won nine straight series. They had a 12 game winning streak so far this year. Um, You know, Aaron judge leads the MLB with, I think 13 home runs Stanton's right behind him with 11 and they're, they're getting really good production from people who you might not have thought. So, I mean, Nestor Cortez has a sub two ERA. He's been dominating batters. You know, he throws a mid 93, 94 mile an hour fastball. And he's just dominating batters, able to get swings and misses. You know, they've had emergence of Anthony Rizzo throughout the first month of the year hitting home runs. You know, his average has dropped quite a bit since. Josh Donaldson is stepping up. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is able to hit the ball for contact. Glaber Torres is coming around. You know, I mean, this is a team that still hasn't lost 10-plus games yet on, on the season. You know, they're in a streak right now where they're playing 23 games in 22 days. So we're definitely going to – we're going to be testing that resilience there. But at this point in the year, all of the Yankees look healthy. And obviously that's the biggest thing with these Yankees is that Aaron Judge, Stanton, your pitchers need to stay healthy. So if they can all stay healthy, I mean, this this is a special team. I think things are really special in New York this year, not just for the Yankees. I think things are also pretty good on that train ride over. Um, 
but maybe we'll talk about them. For the team that I have as my losers, it's the Texas Rangers. They they right now are sitting at I think 17 and 19, and they gave out two massive contracts this year that didn't work out. First, let's talk with Marcus Semyon. Um, his contract was seven years, $175 million. And he is hitting 173 with a 458 OPS. He has played odd awful for the Rangers to start this year. You know, he only has 24 hits and 139 at bats. He has yet to hit a home run. This, this right now, it looks like it's the worst signing, big, big splash signing of, of MLB offseason. And then we got to look at Corey Seager, 10 years, $325. He's only hitting 244. His OPS is better with 759, but he's got a 322 on base percentage. You know, this team, they're just not functioning well. They got to get more production from these big splash guys that they said they went out and signed. We expected the Texas Rangers to be really good in that, in that West. And come to think of it, it's actually the Angels and the Astros who are sitting atop there right now. I more from this Texas Rangers team and and they're letting me down so they're my losers so far that's two very good picks from Connor Matt what do you think uh, for my winners I'm gonna have to go with the uh LA Angels I mean they they've played phenomenal so far this season 24 and 16 for a team that really hasn't had the success that you know their star power I guess their star power would you think would lift up with Shohei and Mike Trout and speaking of Trout, I mean, he's he's got to be at the top of the AL MVP odds so far with Aaron Judge based on how his year's been going. I mean, last year, coming off a, a year where he only played 36 games because of a pectoral strain, now he's played 35 games, so basically one more game, and he's tied for last year, and he's got a batting average of uh, uh, 320. Um, and he's hit 11 home runs, and they even had uh, emergence from a guy like Taylor Ward, who has been playing great fantasy team, great great acquisition from from my from me. Uh, so the Angels have uh, impressed me a lot, especially in the beginning of the year when you know they were like New York's at the top of their divisions, and so is LA. Um, they they've they've been very surprising for me, and that's a team that is sticking with me right now. Um, for one that has impressed me so much in terms of not impressed me, it's just Chicago White Sox. I mean, for a team with odds to make it to the World Series so high in the beginning of the year, I think they were the highest in the AL. You guys could correct me if I'm wrong. They were one of the highest. I'm, I'm not sure if they were the absolute highest. Okay. Well, they were one of the highest and they came out six and two and then in their first eight games and then they dropped so many games after that and right now they set a record of 18 and 19 which you know that's not not totally bad but for a team like the White Sox you would think a lot more and for how they started you would think a lot more um so they really they 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 shocked me they they've had injuries but still that's they're playing awful baseball uh since they're that's really since that second six and two record excuse me so those have to be the uh the two teams for me are surprisings and some disappointments. One mm-hmm. comment there about the angels is I just hope that they can stay good for long enough for them to get into the postseason. We have never seen postseason Mike Trout. He's never made the postseason. So well, I think he did one time. Did he, I maybe, maybe once. But I, I think they got swept though. He, he has never had a real shot to do anything in the postseason. So 
if we can see Mike Trout in the season next to Shohei Otani, I mean, these are two of the most exciting baseball players that you could ever see on the baseball team. And for them to be under the bright lights in October, that's all I could ever hope for. They yeah. got swept in 2014 by the Royals, who I'm pretty sure won that year, correct? They, they, they won the pennant, but they lost to the Cubs in the World Series. Um, in that series against the no, – No, no, no. The Cubs won in 2016 against the, um, at the time, oh. Indians. Yeah. So who the Royals lose to? Because they lost in 2014, but won in 2015. They lost uh, the World Series to the Giants. Was it with the Giants? Really? That, okay. It was, that was the, the stretch where the Giants would win one, lose one, win one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think it was that late. But in that series against the Royals, Mike Trout only had one hit in 12 at-bats for a home run. Not nearly a large enough sample size for one of the best players to ever play the game. Um. Two great picks from you, Matt. I totally agree on both. Those are those teams are both winners and losers. In terms of my winners and losers, I gotta go with the New York Mets. Come on, come on. The Mets have been awesome this year. Their pitching has been phenomenal, especially especially their starting pitching. Bullpen has been a little shaky at times, but Edwin Diaz has struck out fifty percent of the batters he's faced against. So we still got that racehorse at the back of the pen and their hitting has been really good as well. One of the best hitting teams in all of baseball. Just, I mean, this whole team has just been upgraded. You could tell that there's a culture shift since they brought in Buck Showalter. I, I really have not been able to experience a type of culture shift as a Mets fan that is happening now. There's just a totally different vibe in the clubhouse. There's a totally different, just goal in mind. And that goal is to win a world series. And it seems like the Mets can definitely do that this year. They just need to get healthy. They've still been winning games against really good teams without being healthy. Seven and three against teams over 500 with Scherzer just going on the IL right now, six to eight week oblique strain. That's a huge killer. They're going to need their pit, their pitching depth to step up a lot, but so far they have to be my winners. They're, Free agent signings have really, really paid off. Marte has been great. His bat's starting to wake up. Mark Cannon, Eduardo Escobar have been great on both sides of the dish. And Eduardo then, Escobar just had that really bad streak. I think he was like one for his last like 36 or something. Yeah. And then he had that he had that big double the other day against the Mariners in that game. They almost made that comeback in. So hopefully he gets out of that streak. He was really good last year in Arizona. Um so hopefully he can get it going there for the Mets. Mm -hmm. Yeah he's been really one of my favorite acquisitions so far. He did have that cold streak but the way that he's still able to put the bat to the ball and he plays really really good defense. Yeah he's a good very underrated at the hot corner, he has a strong arm, good glove, and it, he, it doesn't look like it because he's an older guy, but he can definitely wheel around the base paths as well. Um, in terms of my loser, it's got to be the Boston Red Sox. I mean, come on, guys. They, they did make some nice acquisitions in the offseason, brought in Trevor Story as their huge signing, and they're 15 and 22 right now. It's, it's unacceptable, absolutely unacceptable. Nine and 14 against teams over 500 and they have been a little bit banged up. Obviously Chris sale has not played this year, but with their expectations coming into the season, 
they have totally missed the mark so far. And I think they will improve. Their hitting is going to get better. Their hitting has been absolutely atrocious. Surprisingly, their pitching has been pretty solid, but their hitting has been absolutely awful. Story's going to get better, but so far this season, he has not been playing well. Batting under 250, not hitting for power. Loser is the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, I was definitely going to mention Boston. Um, I have Trevor Story's stats pull up here, you know, 205 um, batting average, 25 hits, and about 122 at-bats. Um, just over a 600 OPS. Yeah, not not good at all. Not good. And, you know, Sale has never been able to start opening day for this team in so long. He's such an injury-prone um, pitcher. I mean, he's almost Jacob deGrom 2.0 without the the absolute excellence of, of Jacob deGrom. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it. Nick, Nick Pavetta, the pitcher for the Boston Red Sox, had a really good outing last night. Um, nine innings pitched, five hits, one earned run. He pitched a complete game. They, they need more of that from their youth. You know, right now they have Nathan Avaldi as their number one, and Avaldi's a good starter, but obviously it's not translating into any wins right now. And this is an AL East who everyone thought they would have four teams over 500 and four teams really competing for that top spot in their division. And I mean, right now you got the three with the Yankees, the Rays and the Blue Jays. Red Sox got to step it up. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's definitely a disappointing story for the Red Sox. Oh, that was, uh, there that was I had, to, I had to put it in there. I was there waiting you for you to, I was <laughs> waiting for it. Didn't think of that one, but I guess this is kind of off topic, but I, you're tired of the narrative of Marcus Martin, Al Horford, you know, you know, being out and Kyle Lowry, whatever. I'm tired of the narrative of Jacob DeGrom being injured, being injury prone. Like, d- don't compare Jacob DeGrom's injuries to Chris Sale because Chris Sale has been like consistently injured for the past three to five years. And it's so really is it Jacob really DeGrom, though, Matt, season. Mike. What? Jacob DeGrom didn't pitch after the All Star game last year. And he Am didn't I going to finish the year this year? Am so, I going to finish? So, so, it, so we're talking on. about it's, it's half a season, not- half a season, which DeGrom was injured, and then he was injured to start this year. It's I mean, come on. He hasn't been injured his whole career. Marcus Smart, that's fine. You know, those players still played a large part of their season. But for Jacob DeGrom to come out and be as dominant as he was last year, to come out and be so dominant, and then after the All-Star break in July, not be able to pitch again the rest of the year, you have all that time off the entire offseason, you're through a lockout, and then you can't get yourself ready to be starting for opening day, which is a week later than it was already expected to be. Your opening day starter is Chris Bassett because you can't have Jacob DeGrom ready. He can't get himself ready. And now we're over a month into the year and he's still not ready. And now Max Scherzer goes down and your true number one starter now is Chris Bassett. I mean, for us not to have this narrative that he's injury prone is pretty ridiculous when he's now almost 10 months into the last time he pitched in an MLB game and he's not ready to go. What what are you talking about, Connor? It's been half a season in the start of this year. He was ready to go, and then he got injured in spring training. I don't know if you know, but there was a short spring training this year, and DeGrom dealt in spring training. He was hitting 100. So this notion that he wasn't ready to pitch, he came in, was ready to pitch, and then he got injured. It's been the second time he's been injured, yeah, in the past 10 months. But don't compare him to Chris Sale, who has had a multitude of injuries. While DeGrom has been healthy for his whole career up until the last half of the last season and the first month of this year. 
He's I'm, not injury prone. He's not injury prone. I'm just saying this guy is undoubtedly the best pitcher in the MLB. There's no denying that. But at what point do we have to do we have to question that when he can't get on the field? There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Okay, he had half the year last year and he got injured in spring training. This was a short in spring training. Maybe the men have managed it a little bit better and made sure he was ready for opening day after coming off a serious injury that kept him out the last the last half of the season last year and really ruined playoff opportunity for him. Okay. You've got a really good team this year. You've surrounded them with so much talent. You have a comparable manager in Buck Showalter. Make sure your starting pitcher, your ace, the best pitcher in the MLB is ready to go opening day and actually have a shot at winning a world series this year. I, I feel like it's like a little more, complicated than you're making it out to seem it's not like the Mets were not it's not really trying complicated to manage at all did we hear any managing other managing spring training all no. spring training Play, so was every other team players were managed a little bit better Jacob deGrom has to understand okay I missed the last half of last year I have to be careful with myself in the short and spring training so that I'm ready to help my team win games he hasn't pitched an MLB game in 10 months. At this point, I'm calling him injury prone. That's absolutely ridiculous. You you just said he got injured because he was trying to, you know, ramp himself up too much and saying that the Mets were trying to manage him. Listen, opening day is great. Opening day in the first month of the season, yeah, sure, it's important. But when we need Jacob DeGrom is going to be the back half of the season. And, and I know he wasn't, he wasn't a part of the team last season. Okay. He got injured. It happens. It happens. It, but it's ridiculous. don't start this. It happens there. Let me talk about a few, a few months ago about the Yankees injuries and how the Yankees have to expect their injuries and all that stuff. Okay. The okay, Yankees are like a healthy team this year. And no one's talking about their injuries. But the second can't get on the mound. It's, oh, injuries happen. We have to understand it, and we have to be we have to work towards it. But when the Yankees have injuries or other teams have major injuries, it's, well, you have to build your team better. You have to have better opportunities. If Aaron Judge and Carlos Stanton aren't in the field, you still have to win games because you're supposed to be the best team in baseball with the biggest salary cap, okay? Jacob DeGrom isn't on the field. End of story. And until he's on the field, he's injury prone. That's so ludicrous. I'm, I'm done with this. I'm done with this. I don't even know what point you were trying to make. You you, you circled all the way back to, to the Yankees somehow and on how, you know, if Judge and Stan miss time, they are still expected to win games. Yeah, no duh, they're still expected to win games. There's going to be some sort of, you know, exception to that. But at this point, the Mets are still winning games. We can still wait for Jacob deGrom to fully heal. That's why there's no timetable yet for him to fully heal and come back as strong as ever i have more points but it, it's we're, we're going i don't, I don't know what point you made the whole time the point is <laughs> just, just the remember, point that he's not in the remember field our automatically injury prone you remember our conversations a while back on this this podcast where when we were talking about the yankees injuries and how they get injuries every year and you said that they have to be expected and this team is always injury prone and you call judge injury prone and we said that this team had to work through their injuries, essentially, right? Yeah. Okay. So if Judge is injury prone, then what is Jacob DeGrom? Jacob DeGrom Judge. hasn't pitched in 10 months. Okay. Judge okay. missed consistent time since his rookie year. After his rookie year, he missed consistent time. 
Same with Stanton. Since he was traded to the Yankees, he missed consistent time year after year after year. I'm not ready for not even a full year of injuries to call Jacob DeGrom injury from. I'm not ready to do it. He could be. He could be. But I'm not ready to put that stamp down and call Jacob DeGrom injury prone. And, 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 and to the Yankees' credit and Aaron, and Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton's credit, for the past, uh, for this season and last season, they stayed healthy. So credit to them. You know, they, they, could, they could take that tag off now because they've shown that they've been able to stay in the field. At the end of the day for me, Jacob DeGrom hasn't pitched on an MLB field in 10 months. And that's it. He's the best pitcher he, he, he in baseball. He did pitch in spring training. So, like, it's not like <laughs> he's like the he, best he pitcher in baseball. Thrown a baseball. <laughs> he's so. the best pitcher in baseball. He hasn't pitched in a regular season game. Is that better for you, Mike? He hasn't pitched in a regular season game in 10 months. Yes, and that has to be better, better if we're going to continue to expect him and call him the best player, best pitcher in baseball. Because if he can't stay on the field and he doesn't get on the field this year until after the all-star break or even August or September you leak into, then it has to be a debate whether he's truly the best pitcher in baseball or not when he's not healthy enough to be on the field. And that's where I'm going to end this. I'm so confused. I'm just going to say I'm really confused. But, uh, I mean, hey, that was like two months that everyone was holding it in. We just needed one really good argument uh, to to welcome everyone back. I mean – Go Chats back, guys. We are back. The arguments are back. The smiles are back. Any any final thoughts? I mean, if you guys want to go through your World Series prediction quickly, uh, up to you guys. Um, <laughs> sure. I'll, I'll uh, I don't know who I'm gonna take out of the AL. Um, but I'll have the Dodgers winning it all. They're just too stacked from top to bottom. Okay. Give me Mets Yankees. I would love to dream. It might not happen, but I'd love to see it. It could, this is the best opportunity they have since 2000 to make that possibility. The Dodgers, like you said, though, they are just so unbelievably overpowered. Trey, Trey Turner, quietly not having a great year so far. So we'll be fine. I got the Dodgers winning. I don't even think I have to say an AL team. I think the Dodgers are going to win it. Yeah. I think it's historically one of the best teams we've seen. Maybe not record-wise, because I thought yeah, they'd that, be off to a better start. But. The Astros are really good. Obviously, the Yankees are really good. Um, and if if the Blue Jays are able to get, you know, their pitching at least somewhat mm-hmm. decent, uh, um, I, I think they they could contend as, as long with the Rays. So there's four teams in the AL that I think could possibly make it and eventually lose to the Dodgers. Well. There you go. There's our World Series predictions. I'm sure Tommy insert Yankees are winning right now, and uh, that'll be Tommy's prediction. So it's a little, it's a long episode, but guys, we're back. So stick with us. We're gonna go through the goat of the week coming up next. Goat of the week is back. We are back with Goat Chat, and we have three brand new athletes that are up. For contention for go of the week i have no clue what the score is right now all i know is that matt is blowing out us out of the water but that will not continue anymore connor what do you got i think i'm behind matt by i mean it's got to be 10 but i'm in second place i know that i'm catching I'm up i'm coming and it's gonna start this week with this guy right here 
Jimmy Butler. His game one performance against the Celtics, 41 points, nine rebounds. He was the reason why they won that game. I mean, obviously, he put up 41 points. You know, I think he went 17 of 18 from the free throw line. Got to keep it going. Got to keep it going. Obviously, game two is tonight when we're recording. I'm a big Heat fan. Obviously, I'm going to go Jimmy Butler here. I'm going to say that they're going to win again. That's not what I said in the in our in our goal pick segment that you'll see. Um, <laughs> I want to see them win, but I think the Celtics will win. Um, Connor's just talking out of his uh, behind right now. Matt, who do you got? I didn't even finish. He's not done. I'll let oh, him. you're not done. Sorry. Jimmy Butler's the goal of the week with 41 points. Go ahead, Matt. <laughs> Did he actually have 17 free throws? Holy God. Oh, he was he, he, he had 12. He had 12 for, for nine. 18. No, no, 17 for 18. You're right. Holy yeah. Crap. Yeah. It's Holy not happening crap. tonight. He he's he had a quote that said that in game two, he hopes he goes zero for zero so that he can just keep knocking into people and just keep shooting free throws. Wow. That's insane. 17. Yeah, no, I, I don't I don't think it's gonna happen again. Ime's gonna have a game plan. Matt, who's your go of the week? How do they follow him that much? All right. Um, well, I guess I got to use the whatever. My go of the week is uh, Aaron Judge. Of course, he he's had a great. Um, they should. Just he's the him. MLB leader in home runs, Mike. You respect him. They should just rename it Matt Kane's go to the week because uh, I'm just gonna keep uh, running with it. Three well, RBIs, two home runs. You're playing right. You're playing for the fans. You yeah. don't pick the guy who you think is the best. Okay. All you right. You pick the guy who. Okay. You so you don't. Quotes. So you don't think Aaron Judge should be in this? I do. I do. I do, too. I just told you he had three RBIs on um, – Lies. He had three RBIs on Tuesday, and then he had uh, four RBIs last Thursday. Like, this, he's, he's been playing great baseball, and I'm, I'm here to recognize it. He's having his best year since rookie – or since his um, MVP caliber year. And in the past week – he was stolen by Jose Altuve. Freaking and, cheater. Connor's just getting riled up right now, and he's been producing it uh, with these games against the uh, White Sox and the Orioles. So he's my go of the week, and I think, in the bottom of my heart, I think he's deserving to be in these this conversation. You're lying. Gary, uh, you disrespect the MLB leader in home runs, Connor. <laughs> Listen, it's no disrespect to Aaron Judge; it's disrespect towards Matt because I oh, yeah. know Matt doesn't actually think Aaron Judge was the best performer this week. He just wants a win. And he knows yeah. our viewership is largely Yankee fans. Okay, We're going right. to vote for him. All right. I have a feeling you think I th- Luka Doncic would be my go of the week. The thing I did, I didn't pick him because how bad that game was last night. That's not good. Like, people have recency bias. I know how this works. So, I am praying, I'm playing a little strategically, but I know that Aaron Judge had a good week. I, ju- I get these notifications, and I just think, yuck. Okay, ahead, time for the true go of the week. Probably not going to win because we're picking a hockey player from Canada, but it's Matthew to Chuck. Matt did win with Matthew to Chuck, but at one time, but that was hockey player against hockey player. You know, it, it probably won't turn out well for me, but hear me out. Had a Hattie hat trick against the Edmonton Oilers in game one. Against the Dallas Stars, he had a goal and an assist in a pivotal Game 7 overtime win and also had an assist in Game 6. So six points over his last three games, including a hat trick and one of the pivotal goals against the Dallas Stars in Game 7. It's no doubt Matthew Tuchuk. Then you throw in the way he plays defensively. I know the Flames just allowed six goals to the Oilers, but 
outside of that, Tichuk has been phenomenal defensively, individually. So therefore, he's the go of the week. He scored a hat trick on a. The, the Oilers are just a mess at goaltender right now. Listen, they they got all the first. They let up nine goals, Mike. <laughs> well, I mean, look look at Game Seven against the Kings. Shut out. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. They're just like wishy washy on goaltending. Yes, yeah. and you know why they're wishy washy? Because Matt Tuchuk is that guy. Matt Tuchuk is that guy. Guys, we are fired up. Go chat is back. We're ready to be chugging along with more sports content. Obviously, we're going to hope to get Tommy on here at some point. Um, so we know he has a super busy schedule, but we're just here. We're back. We're ready to go. And we're hitting the stride. We're hitting summer. We're ready to keep pushing through. That's it. <laughs> what an outro there by Connor Wood. We will see you guys for episode 122. Peace. Peace.